Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, the brand made famous by Gabriella Sabatini and John McEnroe, to name a few. See their gear at SergioTacchini.com. And when you get to checkout, use my code CRAIG30 in all caps for 30% off of your order. He grew up in Sochi, Russia, and in the 90s with his signature two-handed backhand, grinded his way to the top of the sport, winning 26 career titles, including the French Open, the Australian Open, and in 1999 became number one in the world. In 2019, he was inducted into the Tennis Hall of Fame. The great Russian, Yevgeny Kafelnikov, is today's guest. Happy Easter. Same to you. Same to you. Uh, where Although are you? We have, uh, we have Easter weekend uh, next week. Oh, you're uh, uh, in Russia. You do it next yeah. week. Yes. Yes. That's Russian Orthodox. Correct. You do it next week. Yes. Um, are you in Moscow? I am in Moscow in my flat. Yeah. So I've been in quarantine the last four weeks. So uh, it's kind of tough. But what the hell, you know? <laughs> yeah what the hell listen you know we do the five set format so i mm-hmm. mean honestly let's just get right into it the first set it's the off the court report are are you in lockdown or are you in you're not in quarantine you're in lockdown no no not official quarantine yes i i i decided uh four weeks ago that uh i just don't want to take your chances to get sick because uh you know we're here in russia at the stage at the moment where we're not on the on the peak and the mountains of the you know all the infected people. We're just slowly climbing up. So is that a I fact? Guess, is that a fact that you're still you're? Sounds like you're where I'm in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I don't think we've gotten to the top. Correct. That's that's how I feel. That's how everyone feels here in Moscow as well. So. If if I can avoid to get uh, you know uh, virus right now or get sick at worst you know I'm, I'm gonna stay home for as long as possible for at least you know another four weeks what just is to keep the, it myself sharp. What is the general situation like in in Russia? Well, it's, the 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 infected uh, we get infected people. Uh, almost uh, doubling you know we had uh, i think yesterday around about uh, you know 700 and uh, you know i just i just saw it reported on national television we are like almost to 1200 and uh, it's been some uh, casualty i think like 10 people died uh, so uh, again the country and in the moscow city where i am at the moment are getting ready for for for, for worse for next upcoming two weeks now, are the people of Moscow taking it serious? Mm-hmm. Are people on the street? Is your golf court? Is your golf club open, or is everything closed? No, no. Unfortunately, everything is closed. You know, all the all the gyms, all the you know sporting facilities, like you know tennis clubs and golf clubs, of course. Uh, everything shut. And everything shut down. Yeah, only. It's like it's like in the in the US, uh, the only things working is like supermarket, you know, food shops, and uh, and then the pharmacies open. So that's about it. Have you been um, satisfied with leadership? Uh, honestly, I feel like we should have done that at least, you know, two, maybe even four weeks earlier, because uh, in that in that case, we could have we could have avoided that. Uh, 
that uh, the whole spread, the whole the pandem- pandemic, getting getting worse and worse. So, but uh, you know, we did it, and hopefully, again, uh, we will uh, get through it uh, nice and uh, nice and easy. Now let's move into the second set. It's what you yeah. know we call the on the court report. You know, mm-hmm. I you know with people with people getting sick and people dying all over the world, it's not always mm-hmm. the best conversation. But part of this show, right, is to you know maybe take mm-hmm. people's minds off of it and whatnot. Um, but I want to talk about the business of tennis. What have your right. impressions been since mm-hmm. Indian Wells canceled? Uh, I think that was. Uh... It was uh, absolutely logical what happens. You know, no one would want to take a chance that all the athletes and tennis players, in particular, get sick. And uh, WTA and ATP made the right decision uh, to postpone the season for as long as necessary. Shame, uh, shame that uh, for for now, one of the one of the remaining three Grand Slams got cancelled, which is Wimbledon. Uh, we still, you know, I'm still hoping that uh, the, the 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 tennis will be played in in the in the in the summer. I'm I'm I'm, I'm hoping that in in August that will the tennis will return. So that's my uh, my gut feeling. Are you are you here? Are you, do you have any interesting conversations with you know Daniil Medvedev or any of mm-hmm. your uh, any of your people? Do you are you hearing anything interesting that maybe we don't hear? No, it's it's all the same, you know. The I think ATP and WTA uh, in general, uh, people who are in charge, uh, they keeping it uh, very quiet. They don't want to spread any gossips around, you know, when and what's gonna happen. But as long as uh, as long as uh, I mean, as far as uh, to speaking to those guys, I, I know they they are also in, in uh, lockdown situation. Everyone's keeping it a very low profile, you know. Just again, everyone's so afraid not to get the virus and get sick. And um, what were your impressions of Gaudenzi? Uh, he gave a press conference, mm-hmm. a virtual press conference, a few days ago, and mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot about him other than I, he was a great player. But uh, mm-hmm. he seems like a very smart, solid. Uh, <laughs> Smart, solid guy. Uh, Andre is a cool, cool guy. You know, I, I played a lot of juniors event because we're almost same age. He's one year older. We played a uh, lot of matches against each other, and uh, you know, him getting the law degree, which is so, eventually shows that he's a very smart guy. And uh, I think he understands that uh, everyone is in, in a difficult situation, from players through the coaches through the sponsors. So. Uh, they're gonna to try to to do the best uh, best they can to again to when when things are settled down to to get the tennis season back on track. You know, unfortunately, we won't have a complete season like everyone expecting. But uh, what the hell? You know, if if we get some tennis uh, in the, in the in the middle of the season, you know, why not? You know, mm-hmm. I've been I've been saying this. You know, if if the guys would have to play uh, tennis in November and December, I'm sure they will. Hundred percent. I mean, everybody's going to play right till the end. Um, what can you tell me about Gaudenzi that maybe you know we don't know? I mean, I know that he's like a. I mean, all I know is what I've read is that the guy is like a 
highly educated guy. Well, the the the, the good the good thing is that uh, every time I send him a message on the Facebook, he always replies. You know, who 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 knew that the guy at the, who's basically at the helm of the one of the uh, prestigious sports in the world would uh, be still talking you know that means he he kept his uh you know he kept his coolness and he's the same guy that i knew him before so you're you're getting kovelnikov though he better respond to you well you never know some guys who get in that kind of position they get in their nose so far up the ass and, uh, and he's <laughs> he's a cool customer you know i uh, i'm sure to say that he still is um you know, it's funny when we spoke. You had just been inducted mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame, and I kind of you mm-hmm. were busy, and I kind of had to rush. And and right. I really now you have you have, you have more questions, of course. But I, but you know, yeah. the one thing we did talk about was we talked about Kachanov, and we we talked about mm-hmm. Daniil Medvedev, and like mm-hmm. from the second that we left each other, Daniil Medvedev right. almost didn't lose a match. <laughs> um. What were your impressions of the summer he had? Um, you know, what? Yeah, I mean, going right up until you know he played. You know, Rafa so tight at the U.S. Open. Uh, all I can say that uh, that kind of season. Uh, I mean, a stretch of uh, I think one and a half months. It's going to be hard for him to to repeat it. Maybe even impossible because you know the whole the whole things came together in one piece for him to to have uh, to have that that kind of six weeks. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna face a very difficult time to, right now because everyone's understand his strengths and his weaknesses. What are they right now? And uh, everyone will play to the to the advantage. And that's why Daniel uh, had very mediocre start of the season. You know, the Australian Open wasn't uh, the results that I thought he would get. Then a uh, couple of indoor events, which is he didn't play well. So, and of course that uh, right now that break for whatever month for him, as many months as we have, he's gonna he's gonna be you know he's gonna have a difficult time. But when you were, um, but when, and at that moment, when he played well, mm-hmm. I mean, that had to have been very um, surprised. Was it surprising for you? Or did you just think he had just kind of hit a, hit a great groove? He was, listen, he got surprised. Uh, every, everybody got surprised because no one uh, knew his full potential and no one really was taking uh, his game seriously. And uh, that, that's why he was able to play uh, so well from starting from Washington all the way to the U.S. Open. But hold on a but second. Right th- but he is so good, man. He's so athletic and so good. No, you don't think so. He is so, he is so good, but yeah. as, as all the other, or any other humans, he's got some weaknesses. And the, the, those, are, the, those are weaknesses that he has, uh, they are, they are so, uh, I would have to describe it to you. They're so deep that if someone will, will use his weaknesses to their advantage, he's going to struggle. And that's, I think, uh, Daniel, that's Daniel needs to work on those weaknesses very hard to, to be able to, to play or to maintain that top five level, which is where he is right now. 
what do you think are his weaknesses? I think his biggest weakness is his forehand. Uh, I think his forehand is could be could be dodgy at the times, and especially when under pressure. And people and players understand that. You know, his uh, his. Uh, um, you think the forehand more, gets the forehand gets his, tight? The forehand gets tight. Human, yeah, yeah. His forehand can get really flat at the times. You know, he can miss the balls by you know three four feet when he's not confident. And his whole game is uh, is based on confidence. And I think once he's struggling with confidence, he's you know he's gonna he's gonna lose matches. Um, we also talked about Kasakina. I like to talk about the Russian mm-hmm. players with you. Um, yeah, you. She started to play a little bit better, but she's still her a little bit. Her serve little is bit, tragic, yeah. huh? Uh, the, the, the whole game is uh, is uh, is tragic to me, you know. Why? When I know her potential, when uh, when I know how she can play, I mean, it hurts my it hurts me watching, and uh, it's basically wasting uh, wasting time and, and talent by by what she's doing, and uh, you know, I think she can get uh, really proper help if she wants to, but it's up to her, you know. I'm not gonna interfere and then get into the into the process of uh, coaching her before before she asked for, for help. But uh, I think if she gets right person near her, she will be where she belongs. You know, I love to be able to help people and my friends that are doing cool things in tennis. And Pico Tennis is one of those groups They are an inclusive community and platform for tennis players of all skill levels. They host weekly meetups in public parks in L.A. to promote democratic access to American tennis while building a brand that appeals to a young, urban, creative demographic. They've created a t-shirt that is very cool. I have the shirt designed by one of their members, a guy named Andrew Green, who is an artist. The shirt is fantastic. Go to Pico Tennis on Instagram. So it's at Pico Tennis. And you can get a shirt. Portion of the proceeds, 20%, help the homeless in East LA, which is particularly important during the COVID crisis. Like I said, it's at Pico Tennis. Hit them in the DM. It's a badass shirt for a badass group. And that's what's up. Now let's get back to Yevgeny Kafelnikov. Let's move into our third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about your career. Mm-hmm. And the last time we talked, we talked quite a bit about how you came up and we you explained it. But we never really got yeah. to talk about some of your big results. So I kind of mm-hmm. thought that with the clay court season about to start, mm-hmm. it used to start. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be fair to say that that was your best surface? Because I see your results. You were really unbelievable on on all the surfaces. I mean, you didn't have a great grass court result, but you were a great indoor player. I think the indoor indoor was the the best surface for me because uh, no wind, no sun, and the uh, ball always bounces uh, in the, in the sweet zone uh, for me. So <laughs> I was had, able to control the ball very well. You had incredible but, indoor results. Yeah, but uh, you know, going back to the, you know. Clay court. I think uh, clay is uh, was one uh, difficult surf uh, surf for me because I was always always wanted to have a big uh, number of matches uh, on the clay before I really felt like I I was uh, was playing well enough. Although 
you know, many players or many uh, uh, experts were criticizing me. So for playing a lot of matches, a lot of events, losing the first round, but what the hell? I did what, what, what was best for me. Yeah, what, your so, results, though, when I looked at it, like you had terrible right. results in Monte Carlo. Yeah, but that, that, because because that was only the the second event on the clay, which is uh, on the clay court, which is I played, and I always needed, you know, three four weeks to get adjusted to get uh, to get comfortable. Okay, so so explain that. So how did, how would you do your clay court season year in and year out? What what tournaments did you well, play? I did. Uh, I I, start, I always uh, I always wanted to play from the first week possible. On the clay, even though if he, when I, I could be occasionally started in Estoril in Portugal, losing first rounds to 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 nobodies, then you know going to Barcelona, starting to already to to play a little better, but uh, not enough to 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 win the matches. Uh, Monte Carlo as well. I was right about the, you know Hamburg time when I felt like you know my confidence was coming back and I felt like I. I was playing well enough to to win matches in the tournaments. So so the year that you so 1996. Mm-hmm. What did you do leading up to the French? What did I do? I think I played uh, I played the Sturil. I played a lot of tournaments. I played the Sturil. I played uh, Monte Carlo. Uh, I I think from Monte Carlo I went to to Prague and won my first clay court uh, tournament in Prague. Beating some really good players, and then uh, then I felt like okay, who did you who, who did you beat in Prague? Uh, Prague, I beat the guys like uh, you know good clay court players like Javier Sanchez, uh, Christian Root, uh, the father of uh, the guy, the young kid, Kasper, the father of Casper Root, and uh, and I <coughs> I played uh, Bodan Ulirak in the final, which was you know very hell of a clay court player. So you started peaking. Getting I confident. To, to, to play, I started to play well. Then you know, from Prague, I went to Hamburg, uh, beat some some fantastic players. Beat Carlos Moya, beat Sergio Bruguera, although lost to Roberto Carretero, who won the tournament. But uh, I was I was playing already well enough. You get to Paris. How does the tournament start for you? I got to Paris, but before Paris, I went to Dusseldorf and uh, I whacked Pete six two six two there. So I'll. My confidence was on a fantastic <laughs> level, so uh, I got to I got, I got to Paris. I look at the draw and I, I see the really good opportunity for myself to get to the second week, and that's that's uh, what everyone wants to do. You know, get somehow, you know, waste as as, as little energy as possible to get to second week, and that's where the the really tournament starts. But hang on a second. So you get now? Did you always? Were you like a big routine guy? Did you always stay at the same hotel? You did the same restaurant, all that kind of thing. Uh, I, I I did like to to do the same things all over again. If that was uh, quite successful, yeah. I, I think I stayed in the same hotel uh, from previous year. Um, then. Uh, Big thing was I was I was playing doubles too, so it was it was it was all the all the circumstances were you know right on the right spot on for me to to play well. Then. So one of our mutual friends told me that you're mm-hmm. just such an animal that you would play your singles match, then you'd leave leave the match, you'd hit, mm-hmm. you'd practice for an hour, 
And then the next day you go play doubles. And you did that for two straight weeks. I was 22 years old. I was full of energy. You know, I was physically fit. And uh, and in, in between, I was I was uh, running, uh, I think, I did. I think did three, three or four times during that uh, two-week stretch. Uh, I run eight k's, eight kilometers, twenty laps on the on the track and field uh, track. Just so to just to stay up, loose. Yeah, just not just to stay physically fit. And and you beat, you know, you beat like I think you beat Gallo Blanco. Then you beat a couple other Spanish guys at I, first. Yeah. I beat I beat Gallo Blanc. I beat Thomas Johansson, which is I uh, had uh, problems with on the fast surface, but on the clay he wasn't that uh, that great. So it was it was uh, logical. Then I beat Felix Mantilla, who was a hell of a clay court. Right. So I'm saying when I saw that once you start mm-hmm. once you got into the fourth round, how were you? Must have been feeling incredible, and your doubles was and you were winning everything with Vacek. I was, I mean, that's that's another mystery to me how to, for everyone else. I was winning with that guy, but uh, Daniel was a great guy, great partner. You know, he was always warming me up before my singles matches uh, when it was necessary. Practice with him for two weeks, so uh, yeah, it was it was really fantastic. Um, tell me about the second week. Second week. Uh, Second week, the only guy who gives who gave me a bit of problems was Richard Krychek, but uh, I think I played him. Uh, I played him uh, that uh, that year earlier, somewhere in uh, in Rome, maybe or Hamburg. I beat him uh, quite comfortably. So again, I, I never felt like I was under pressure. I felt like always that uh, I was favorite going to a, to every match uh, against. Uh, anybody there so what was your was, uh, when you got to the semi to play pete pete out that was mm-hmm. obviously his best result i mean you really yeah. just kind of just sort of tore him apart what was it like to step on that court in the semi knowing you just were you know six sets away from winning the tournament uh, I, I was playing pete second time in, in two weeks because that 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 match that previous match which is I beat him six two six two give me confidence in that you know Pete is Pete is uh, Pete is beatable you know and then the seven six six love six two was was routine second and third set first set was uh, was big battle and uh, once I got past that Pete just kind of uh, you know he knew that. Maybe he ran out of steam because he was uh, playing three, three, five set matches before against uh, tough players. Uh, although, but I will never, I will never take that as a, as an excuse <laughs> for him. I, I beat him three straight sets, so what, no uh, one can take it away. What was it like to play Pete in general? You know, I mean, uh, he, he, I mean, even on clay, he was. I mean, that that result in '96 was an incredible result for him. Well, he was playing well, and the, the condition was suited for him. It was really hot, and uh, in Paris that year, and the courts were really fast, and uh, and probably as as you have wrote. Wrote his book and and he said that uh, 
the only match he regrets ever losing is was to me in the semifinal of the French Open. <laughs> That's what he wrote? I think so, yeah. He wrote that that was his big regret? It was there was a big big one of the matches he always uh, regret. Wish he could the, have back. <laughs> losing losing to me, yeah, losing to me in the semifinal of the French Open. When you got to the final, mm -hmm. what, do you do you have any interesting memories from from that day? Uh, to be honest, I don't remember the specific, but uh, my my whole attitude before the match was that. Uh, you know, I might never get uh, another chance of winning the slams. Uh, you know, leave everything what you have on the court without uh, you know regretting. So don't 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 get regrets after the match if you lose. So I I I left everything on the court. You know, three straight sets, three straight difficult sets against Michael. Yeah, against Steech. Yeah. Same thing. What kind of what kind of player was he that year? I mean, I feel like he's a very underrated, world class player. You know, in terms of former world number one, he won on all surfaces. It was he yeah, was Michael. I think Michael never got to number one in the world. I think he got to number two. But two. again, uh, again, uh, you know, his whole game was was very fantastic. You know, he he's was winning some big tournaments, you know, Grand Slam Cup, Tour Championships in, in uh, Frankfurt, uh, you know, winning at Wimbledon, of course, in 91. Twice uh, Grand Slam finalists, once in the US Open to Agassi, and another one to me in the, in the French. And, uh, very, very classic player. What did you do that night? What did you collect the check? What did you do? To be honest, I left straight home. I, uh, straight I home. checked out from yeah, straight uh, checked out from the hotel. Didn't stay in Paris that night. Left because, to be honest, I didn't want to have that uh, one of the crazy nights probably in my life because all of, a lot of my friends were in Paris and I want to to go and celebrate. I said no, no, no. I just I need to get out of this. <laughs> so I. Really? Jumped in the plane and then took off. Yeah. And who was took with you? Uh, who was with you when you left that? When you when you were that second week? Who was in your box? Uh, my 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 coach, my my fitness my fitness coach, and uh, was my my girlfriend at the time, who who became my wife later on. So uh, I think four 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 people were in the, in the, my box. Flew straight back to Moscow. Yes. And did you ever have like a big parade? Did anything, you know? What? No, 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 no. I, I was never a big guy who wanted to to celebrate uh, all of my accomplishments. I, I was always <laughs> wanted to keep low profile. How did that win, winning the French Open, change your life? Oh, I was the first ever Russian to to win the Grand Slam. Uh, I think, you know. I, I got a lot of, lot of recognition and a lot of a uh, lot of support back in my home country from uh, all the people who lived here, and that was that was good. That was good. Tennis was was booming at the time, and in, in my country it was one of the, one of the most popular sports at the time. So, um, so it, it was it was big and huge. One of my friends wanted me to ask you. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that the you know they used to be the super nines now they're the master mm -hmm. one thousands? Mm -hmm. Do you still think that the best of five final should be this should still be there? Best of five matches, uh, the better players always win. 
that's that's no question and uh, in the in the big tournaments like uh, what we have master series 1000 i think it should be mandatory that uh, final matches would be best of five sets as well as the uh, final match of the tour championship i don't know why they uh, they reduce it to best of three sets now but used to be some classic matches but and uh, the one who stands up uh, which stands up to me right now is still best matches i ever witness uh, live was uh, Baker Sampras in uh, Hanover 1996. You love that match. Uh, it's the best match I ever You know, it's I ever, funny. I, I, ever watched. I, I was talking to uh, one of our friends the other day, and he said that the best match he ever he saw, he could think of, was when Goran beat uh, Pat Rafter at, uh, in, in the Wimbledon, yeah, Wimbledon, the Wimbledon final. final. Yeah, in some degree, yes. For for but uh, in terms of you know quality of the of the tennis, uh, I think it's it's the best by far. Let's move into our fourth set. This is mm-hmm. the ten ball scramble. We don't do a deep dive. We mm-hmm. basically I say it, and then you say what comes into your mind. Mm-hmm. Your best moment in tennis. Uh, a couple. Tell me. A couple. Uh, I think uh, I always said that uh, all of all of my uh, great accomplishments they are on the same plateau, which is uh, winning the Slam, number one in the world, Davis Cup, uh, and uh, Olympic uh, gold medal medalist. So those are four in the same plateau. Do you do you, do you put the slant, do you put the Australian above the French? Or the... No, I, I rank them. I rank them the same way, you know, because they also they, they mean so so much to me, and uh, I I'm not gonna put one above above another. Your worst moment in tennis? Ah, <laughs> uh, shit! It's it's a difficult one to answer. Um, I don't know. I had a couple of tough loss, uh, losses in my in my career, which is uh, which is regrettable. But again, you know, was there ever I'm, a moment in your career where you were just playing mm-hmm. such bad tennis, you were a little bit lost personally or professionally, and you thought about quitting? Uh, Did you? I never thought about quitting, but I, 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 in 1998, I think. Uh, uh, when I uh, when I started to play not on the level which is uh, which is uh, was satisfying to me like in the, in this in the spring or in the in the summer in the US when I basically split up was my was my coach and I left on my own for you know three four months before I I uh, before I uh, I found the thanks. So uh, that that time was 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 a very difficult time. Yes. Oh, the in, moment in the, you the, you got with Larry Stefanski. Yes, correct. Um, what was the was there a was there a great mistake you made during your career that if you could change it or is there any advice you give to young players? <laughs> uh, again, you know, if 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 you ask me now. If, if I if I wanted to change, uh, if I want to do things, uh, if I if I can turn back the time and do do things differently, 
what I have done. I say no. I, I'm not, I don't want to go back because I understand how difficult, uh, what kind of difficult journey I had to to get uh, success and to get uh, titles. Uh, what I had in my life. So I, I just don't want to repeat it. Big entourage or lean and mean? Lean mean. Lean you don't like mean. the big entourage. Not at all, man. Do Not you do you think that? Um, some of these big entourages that we see now are are almost it's getting too it's getting too much yeah. it's, it's too getting much. too much and the, it's getting too much and it's getting under especially young because they all wanted to imitate and duplicate uh, what Roger and, and Rafa and, and Novak has you know 25 agents uh, stringer look i had i had coach in one uh, one uh, Physio guy next next to me, two 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 uh, two people, not even my agent. He was attending only on the Grand Slams uh, to watch me. So uh, I think that's where you know young young ones making the big mistakes. Uh, big they want to have big entourage, and uh, that's where they kind of ruin their careers. Your best friend in tennis? Uh, I'm friends with everybody. I'm friends with everybody. You know. I, I was lucky enough, really, to 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 see John McEnroe play live. It, my first year on the tour was 1992, and I saw John play. I was him with was him in the locker room, and of course, Ivan Lendl, you know, Stefan Boris, and I was uh, lucky enough to to be in the locker room with Rafa Nadal when he was 15 years old, playing his first uh, year on the tour in 2003. So uh, in that sense, I was uh, I was really lucky to to see uh, different generation, different kind of players. But again, you know, friends with everybody, really don't have problems with anyone at all. Did you own your own plane? I did for for a little bit uh, when it was really necessary for me to to save some time on the traveling, and I did it. I think I had it for three or four years. How yeah. was that? It was cool. It was cool. It really saves uh, saves a lot of uh, energy and, and time. Your favorite doubles partner? Oh, I think I think uh, uh, three of the titles with uh, three Grand Slam titles, which is I won was uh, was Daniel Vacek. Uh, I think one was Paul Harius. But I think the most uh, the most enjoyable uh, and, and fun to play doubles was, was Wayne Ferreira. You like playing with Wayne? Yeah, we, we won pretty... I think uh, me and Wayne, we won, I think eight out of nine Super Nines together. That's a hell of a result, yeah. What was it about yeah. what was it about that him that made you guys play that you enjoyed it so much? Because uh, we we kind of same uh, same personality. Wayne is is is, is a very fine uh, fine guy, and uh, you know he's uh, always uh, wanted to win. That's uh, his whole attitude was. You know he was never uh, he was never feeling like okay maybe it's. Uh, so basically, every time we step on the court, we did uh, we give hundred percent. Your favorite forehand? Right now, 
It can be any, any whatever you want to say. I think uh, uh, best for him on the on the especially clay court. What I've ever witnessed was Roberto Caratera. Roberto Caratera. It's for him. Yeah, <laughs> never seen anybody hit harder than him on the on the clay. Really, but uh, on the fast surface, I'll take Pete Sampras for him. That's for sure. Backhand. I like my backhands, yeah. I'll take my backhands uh, out of anybody. Surf. Surf, surf. Uh, I've got three or four guys could... Uh, could uh, Who are your favorite I really surfs? Could, uh, I think the most guys that I have a struggle with was Richard Krejcik's surf. Uh... Goran surf, of course. Believe it or not, Greg Rosetsky surf. Great surf. And uh, great surf. And then and, and, and Wayne Arthur's. Those Wayne Arthur's had that, an unbelievable surf. I that 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 surf is is a weapon. His surf was a really weapon. Wayne Arthur's. Um, yeah. And your favorite volleys. Uh, I'll take uh, I'll take Stefan Edberg's volley and uh, maybe Boris. Boris could volley too. Beautiful volleys. Yeah. Let's move into our fifth and final set. This is uh, mm-hmm. this is the king of the court. Um, the last time we did this, we did it very quickly because you actually had to go play um, in the in, mm-hmm. in the thing. But uh, I mm-hmm. ask you, if you were the king of tennis, you can make a change in the sport. With mm-hmm. just one swing of the racket, very simply, what would it be? Um, you mentioned that you wanted to change the ranking system, but mm-hmm. um, I'll leave it back open to you if there's anything else you mm-hmm. want to talk about. We didn't get into I, it. You said it quickly, and we had to just release you, you know? Uh, if I was if I was a commissioner, if, if I was the CEO, I would definitely – encouraged to do differently ranking system that's for sure i would uh, still uh, maybe because i played in it uh, in a generation where best of 14 uh, system was uh, was the, i think it, it still is i believe that best 14 uh, tournament system is is what is uh, should be done or bring back again explain that you can play as much as possible because honestly, uh, with the ranking system right now, uh, smaller tiers tournaments they are not protected in terms of top players are not uh, guaranteed to, to to play the events. For example, if you if you look at our tournaments here in Moscow Kremlin Cup, it's a little two fifty events which is always struggling to have uh, a star name in the tournament. And with the system right now, the guys like Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, or even top 10 players, they can avoid these kind of events. But but tennis cannot survive without those events. And and if if the top players will s- somehow support those events, they would definitely have a major effect in, in tennis in general. You and, want the uh, biggest guys to play a bigger schedule. Okay. Or commit to to, to play uh, or to help to help the tool because doing this if they do this they will definitely uh, you know help the sport in general not only 
not only survived by uh, you know top uh, or nine uh, you know master series events and the slams you know it's it's not it's not always about uh, you know Federer Nadal Djokovic that will go away someone will uh, will fill their boots after them and they will they will need to understand it's not about uh, tennis it's not only about them you know it's about some other stuff too well, it's about helping these are the it's about sort of building Correct. right you got to build the sport you gotta you gotta build and help it's always uh, it's always about uh, helping smaller smaller ones but with the with the current systems uh, those are small events who are there they are hurting the most they suffer they suffer yeah um, you got you got uh, lockdown, quarantine. You got uh, next week Easter. Um, do you have any? Mm-hmm. Do you have any? Uh, do you have anything you'd like to share with everybody? Do you have any advice? Again, <laughs> again this I, I hope that that uh, that situation will solve uh, sooner rather than later, and we all see the Spanish sports that we love the most uh, go back again as, as as fast as possible. So I got one last question. So when you go on Twitter, do you mm-hmm. have the Cyrillic Russian uh, on your keyboard as well as English? How do you switch back and forth? It's it's easy. It's yeah. It's in. Uh, you have both. It's an it's an uh, iPhone. Yeah, you can switch uh, languages. Yeah. You just switch quick. Switch quick, yeah. If now, I wanted to answer in Russian or English, no problem at all. I gotta tell you, you 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 move and groove between both, no problem. <laughs> well, I've been lucky enough to to understand both languages. You speak um, anything sure. else? No, just two, just two, two, two is plenty. But when you when you write, does it take you a second to think about the English, or you're just fine, no problem? No, I'm fine. No problem. Yeah, it's um, I'm mainly thinking in, in Russia, but it's again when I need to say or or do something uh, in English, uh, it, it takes few seconds, but I can I can switch it easily. Yeah. All right, man. Listen. Um, by the way, uh, for our listeners, Yevgeny has a very um, vigorous Twitter account. He goes back and <laughs> forth with Brad Gilbert quite a bit. And uh, yeah. your Instagram, I don't think, is as good as your Twitter. Or is it? You think you're... I, I, no, I'm not a big fan of Instagram and, and posting the photos and doing the, you know, shows, live shows and so on. But uh, I'll get to that. Just need to, I just need some time to adjust it. <laughs> All right, man. Listen, it was great to talk to you. Yeah, good talking Thank to you, you so yeah. much. You are released, man. We'll talk to you another time. Happy Easter. All right, brother. Ciao. Yeah, you too. Okay. Ciao. Huge thank you to Yevgeny Kafelnikov, and I'd like to thank Sergio Tacchini. See what they're doing at SergioTacchini.com, and when you get to check out, use my code CRAIG30, all caps, for 30% off of your order. Max Loeb edited and mixed the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released. <laughs>